Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing our relationship with spirituality. So many people have struggles with words and concepts like faith, God, spirit, soul, pray. I did for many years. In my life, it was because religion was forced on me, and the people that I witnessed practicing it seemed largely lacking in insight or maturity or just presented as hypocritical to me. That people who fancy themselves religious and devoted to attending church often didn't live a life asking themselves what would Jesus do. And this hypocrisy made me cautious and critical, skeptical, to not just organized religion, but to concepts and words like faith in God, spirit, soul, pray, and even forgiveness, because religious people seem to beat the forgiveness drum the loudest. And what wasn't hypocritical was my grandmother, who often went to church every single day. And she was not hypocritical, but her way through religion was harsh and rigid, boring for a child and cold, full of shame of rightness or wrongness. My adoptive father, the child sexual predator, his father was a Lutheran pastor, and my dad played golf with the pastor that married me to my first husband. I have always suspected with absolutely no proof, but it is my suspicion that my adoptive grandfather was possibly the originator of abuse for my dad. For so many reasons, I did not and could not have trusted religion as it was presented to me. My mother was an ex-Catholic due to divorcing my biological father, and I had learned at a very young age that Catholic God believed I was a bastard, that I was a bad word, even though I hadn't asked to be born out of wedlock to a teen mother. Religion made me feel judged and unsafe. I had spoken up and broken the silence of childhood sexual abuse three weeks before my first wedding. 
That ceremony scene held so many dynamics. It could have played for weeks, written as a soap opera. Or I might need a pegboard like we see detectives in movies having pictures and string to show all the different connections and dynamics as they try to chase down the serial killer. I walked into that church in full wedding veil and dress, and despite offers from men that were in my life at the time, I was 22 years old, I made the decision to walk myself down the aisle. And I felt, as the empath that I am, even though I didn't know it back then, I felt the questions. I felt the impending gossip. I felt the crowd wondering what was going on in their pews, wondering why my dad was sitting with my mom and not walking me down the aisle, why I was unescorted. My mom had told me that if I didn't let him attend the wedding, that she would not attend despite me having told her and confronting him that he had molested me. My siblings' abuse stories would not come to the surface for another six months. And at 22, I didn't know that I could, and I didn't possess the strength at the time to say, okay, then do not attend. So I allowed them to attend. And the pastor, who was my dad's friend, made his sermon about misunderstandings and forgiveness and was obviously speaking in code to me about forgiving him and dismissing my accusations as misunderstandings. I was irate standing up there on the altar, knowing I was also marrying a man that was not right for me. I was flooded. I was disgusted. I was stressed at that age of 22 that my wedding was hijacked in so many ways by abuse and people who just didn't get it like the pastor. And that scene really made me swear off of anything religious. I dug my heels in that moment and beyond into atheism, deciding that it was plain dumb for me to believe in anything. And my righteous ego loved this decree. But my depression loved it too. Depression loved the untethering of having nothing to believe in, nothing to hold on to, nothing to have faith in. In my work as a counselor, I have seen this over and over and over again. If we cannot trust our parents, the people who brought us into this world, who made us with their bodies, and all of us are born of a masculine energy and a feminine energy, one energy of protection and another of nurturance, if we don't get that and safety from the actual people who made us and brought us into the world, it is quite the ask to have people believe or trust in a God or the universe or a higher power that we can't, especially if we're in pain, see or touch and if abused and neglected as a child, we often cannot feel, don't know how to tap into. It has been a long road for me to make peace within myself about this kind of hypocrisy trauma, this type of spiritual betrayal. And I've been honored to walk many survivors along a similar path from strict, over-controlled, authoritarian religious upbringings to people born into cults who somehow miraculously find a way to wake up and escape and save their own lives. It makes a certain sense that part of the process 
is that we all must hit some kind of wall of, oh, hell no, I will not and cannot believe in this and push it all away. We may need to get mad at religion if this is part of our childhood struggle, if this is part of our younger person trauma. We may need to get mad at it, at religion or at hypocrisy or at righteousness. This anger may serve as a way to have permission to distance from the very things that we are groomed to believe that we cannot live without, to test what happens if we try to live without it. Sure, you can be a healthy atheist, and many people do go that route. Atheism just means believing in nothing, that you live and you die and your body goes back to the earth, period, end of story. Now, the inner child, the wounded inner child, can really love the simple black and white, all or nothingness of this way of being. And I lived there for a while, as many of my clients have. And some choose to stay there, and that is fine if that works for you. In my own story, agnosticism spoke to me. And that is about believing in something, that there is something out there bigger than ourselves, whether that's an energy or an entity, that is up to each of us. It is an opening up ever so slightly to the possibility of believing in something. At first, the something I believed in was the unconditional love of my pets. And then it was nature. And then it was energy. And then it was the universe. Because I felt so much mistrust that made me feel untethered, unloved and unlovable, unimportant, even worthless at times. Or if I was in anger, in a perpetual pain, in a desperation. At a point, I decided, yes, decided, that I deserved, yes, deserved to feel tethered, connected grounded. And it was like a few droplets of spiritual permission to explore had rained down on me. And from those first few drops of spiritual rain that fell on me, and I didn't hide from them, I didn't wipe them up with a napkin. There was an accumulation of droplets and droplets became puddles and puddles became lake and lake became river. And I learned to use this river to float and flow through my life. 22-year-old me is still shocked at times to hear me acknowledge this. Cultivating a spiritual relationship has helped me heal in mind, body, and, obviously, spirit. Traditional clinical talk therapy can often miss the importance of spirituality for the individual. So what are some rough steps to spirituality? One, to embrace healing versus hardness of the heart. We can acknowledge that we grew up with massive mistrust that has left us feeling at times empty, lost, untethered to ourselves, to each other as a human tribe, to the earth, even to life when in deepest depression. And these feelings have left us with a drive to protect our hearts 
It can even seem smart to harden our hearts. Anger, deep, deep anger has to be worked through. And anger is the top layer because anger is powerful and not vulnerable like the real emotions that lie beneath it. But anger is a right feeling to have post-abuse. Anger helps us know that we can have boundaries, that we can right something that is wronged. Beneath that anger is so much hurt and sadness, the vulnerable emotions. In general, I can summarize our collective sadness from the perspective of inner child. It is so sad to not be able to feel safe or to trust mom or dad. And it is so sad to not be able to feel a connection to any higher power or any God. We learn to let go of anger and our deep sadness in layers and layers and layers. What's most important is a permission to acknowledge this deep sadness that can carry with us from our childhood through all the years of our life if we don't learn to acknowledge it, process it, and release it so we can live and feel lighter. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Second step to spirituality, after processing our anger, and we don't have to do that in any kind of 100% way, just knowing that as our feelings are shown to us, as our mindfulness helps us recognize that they're there, that we can engage a process of acknowledgement, process, and release. And from that place, we decide, deciding is an important part of this. We decide that we are worth it. Despite our history, despite how we might feel and the blocks we may have, from this place of learning to let go of anger, not before, from this place, we start to open up to the possibility of having some faith, maybe just a little pinch. Some may be willing and able to lean into the cultivation of a faith in a religion or a non-denominational or Unitarian church experience. But many of us don't have that kind of faith and never will and don't want to in church. And that is okay if that is your path. But we can have faith in ourselves, in our resiliency, in our ability to learn, our capability to release and expand. We can have faith in the possibility that is inherent in each of our lives and in the choices that we make. We can have a faith that there are good people out there in the world, despite whatever we may have experienced, that we are unalone in our experience, no matter how unique that experience seems or feels. 
we can cultivate a faith that may start as a permission to believe in something. Maybe the beginnings of a belief that can turn into a trust one day. We can cultivate a faith that our lives are worth more than pain, more than betrayal and struggle, that light is available to each and every one of us. Permission to feel connected and grounded is always within each of us. And we get to choose when, how, and where to give ourselves permission to lean into this kind of self-defined faith. Number three, then we allow and we experiment. We allow ourselves to be drawn to ideas and teachers that intuitively resonate. We allow this mentorship directly or from afar. Like when I talked to you about inviting Miss Maya Angelou into my life as a spiritual mother, despite having never been able to meet her in person. I began reading her when I was 13. And I choose this idea for my well-being and support that I can invite her into my life as a spiritual mother. We bring curiosity and we give ourselves massive permission to let go of anything and everything we may have been taught our spiritual connection should be or should look like. And we allow ourselves to create our own. We give ourselves such permission even when we don't know what the next steps are or how it will turn out. These are steps that unfold over years of work. And don't let the depression gremlins grab those words for food. It's okay that this work takes years. It's right that this work takes years. And that doesn't have to be something that you resist or that frustrates you or makes you feel behind the curve or angry. If we are born with a natural connection to nature, to the universe, to each other as a human tribe, and trauma takes us away from what is so natural, a faith and a trust in ourselves and people, well, then we can reunite ourselves with what was our birthright, what was as natural as taking a breath. To your inner child and mine, I want to say, you can feel safer on this planet despite all the crap you see and continue to see. You can feel more trusting of your efforts to take care of yourself, even if and when it's messy. You can cultivate a faith as you develop the muscles to show yourself you can, are, and will continue to show up for yourself, to allow yourself to feel tethered, safe, faithful, and worthwhile. What I want you to know most about what spiritual connection has done for me is it has taken away the desperation. That's a big word, isn't it? Desperation. Check in with yourself right now. In this moment, in today, in your present season, or all the seasons of your life, do you or have you lived with a constant desperation flowing through your body, weighing you down, inviting feelings of failure almost constantly? Are you living with a desperate feeling that you will never get there? That you are clawing your way out of a hole that seems to get deeper with every step you make to get out? What would happen to your life if you knew how to let go of desperation? How much energy would you have? What would your heart feel? Your body? How much less would the inner critic play? 
plague you? What if spiritual connection slays the dragon of desperation? What if, what if spirituality is a missing piece in the effort to heal? And you can give that to yourself very simply. The simplest spiritual exercise that I can give you to to tap into the feel of spiritual connection is the fact that you are right here right now. If you resonate with my work, if you find it helpful, think about how we met. Of all the shows, of all the influencers, of everything in this life that is trying to get your attention, that is pulling you to pay attention to it and stay away from paying attention to yourself, all the distractions of this life, the 8 billion people on the planet. And in this moment, you are hearing my voice. I choose to believe that we are connected and that that is not a coincidence. Rather, it is something divine. You're hearing me get choked up because it's beautiful that there could be something divine an energy that guided us to one another. Sure, my human part at any time can make arguments like, well, we are bound to stumble on useful things when we are looking for useful things. And that's true. But that thought falls flat for me, like a piano playing off key. It might be a correct statement. We might not be able to find anything wrong with it at all. But it just falls flat. I choose my spiritual connection And in this very moment, I'm choosing faith in energy, in the higher power of the universe that had to have a starting point, that our meeting is divine. And that thought fills me up. It makes my heart feel vibrant. I feel my energy lift. I feel a certain magic in my mind and body, a rightness, a yes, a lightness, an emotion that wells up from the beauty and yesness of this idea. And often when I try to define this feeling of being spiritually aligned and grounded, often I think this feeling is the feeling of love. And if a belief in a spiritual connection can give me that, as well as giving me the strength when I am a super introvert to share myself over this microphone, to share what has helped me heal, to spread this healing through our human tribe, then I stubbornly refuse to let the spiritual failings and manipulations of others in my youth take that away from me for a lifetime. I am worthy of this loving feeling. And so are you. If you want it and you don't know how to have it, I promise you, you can learn it. I hope there's something in this episode that helps you see yourself and this experience of being a human on this planet with a little more clarity, a little more self-compassion and soul care. As we say goodbye to 2021, I want to say thank you. Thank you all of you for every single time you have clicked and listened everything you have shared with people that you love and care about. As corny as it sounds, I do believe that we heal this planet 
when we do our individual work to heal ourselves on the inside. And when we do that, we show everyone in our immediate world this subconscious permission that they can lean into this type of work too. And that might be the most power we have to change the people that are around us as we ourselves embrace the change that grows us into this centered, grounded, self-loving, generous in loving others, people that we were born to be. Thank you for being open to growing and to stepping into the brave unknowns. I wish you peace and ease and tremendous soul care. You, me, all of us are worthy to receive such care from ourselves and from cultivated faith. You are part of my spirituality. Thank you for that. I'm excited about our next live stream Q&A. The topic is jealousy. Now that doesn't just mean romantic jealousy. It can mean envy, coveting, being bitter about what other people have that you don't have, how we compare to others. So if you're already on our Patreon, submit your questions for jealousy. We really can't do the show without you. Thank you all so, so very much. And if you've never checked out our Patreon, that's about all we want over here for Christmas is to grow our Patreon. So I'd love to see you there if you're interested. We've got tons of exclusive episodes and content. And if you're interested in following my work and growing with me, that's where we always give the biggest, best discounts to everything we offer. Patreon.com backslash emotional badass. Come hang out. Come join the community. Light and love. And can you believe we are saying goodbye to 2021? We blink and another year goes by. So lean into this work. This time next year, imagine how much more soul care, self-love, peace, calm, serenity, lightness, and laughter that are available to you on this healing path. I'm an emotional badass, you're an emotional badass, and together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I will see you right here next time. Light and love. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.